Hi everyone and welcome to the Glass Half Full podcast. I'm Andy Stevens, your host, and this episode I'm keen to explore the return to rugby after a lengthy layoff and offer some thoughts and ideas for coaches that they might not have considered before and could use going forwards. We might even fuel some biases along the way, I'm sure. So for this episode, I'm very pleased to be joined by Adam Gillings and Rhys Davies. I'll let them introduce themselves, so take it away, Adam. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm a Level 2 qualified coach. I coach the under-12s at Bracknell. Uh, I'm also a Kids First mentor through the RFU, but probably most importantly, I'm dad to Max and Tilly, and they were the reason that I initially started coaching again after stopping for quite a few years. Awesome, awesome. So the kids got you back into it? Yeah, I basically went back to the club I used to play at, and I think there were quite a few people who hadn't left their spots at the bar, and uh, quite a few things were quite the same, and you go and watch a session, and then you realise that actually... If you can't play, probably the next best thing is coaching. And then I think after a while, you actually realise that perhaps coaching is better than playing. It doesn't hurt the next day. And actually, the development you can get for kids is something that I really enjoy. So I think it's different yeah, to playing. It's it's an addition rather than actually replacing. So yeah. so I, I, obviously, Matthew, when he started, when he was embryonic, I think it was about three when he actually started playing. He got away with it because he's so tall. And I got into coaching because I felt the capillary action of the cold creeping up my legs. <laughs> I, I I have I got a gentleman. <laughs> I've got a gentleman that stepped away from coaching and is coming back because he realised it's much more fun to be on the pitch than it, it is, is to be fun. watching. Excellent. So definitely. Excellent. Cool. Thanks, Adam. Right, Reese, go for it. Oh, it's a tough Follow intro that. to be there. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's good. Um, yeah. No. The, uh, where do I start? Uh, coaching at the HAC. Um, it's an honourable artillery company in the city. Uh, just uh, stepped back from London Irish as the ACDO. Um, uh, just gone back to the RFU. Uh, journey probably towards it. I'm say I'm quite lucky as I'm growing up. I, I was a personal trainer when I was younger, and you, you kind of realise that you were coaching. Uh, it's coaching that isn't coaching at the time, I guess. Um, so you don't treat it as coaching, but you kind of you are coaching one on one. Which is, I guess, what kind of led me to get to where I am and help me in in the journey that I have. I'm on at the moment. So um, yeah, um, nothing like Adam's journey. Brilliant, I love that. Um, I did like what Adam said there though that, like, about kids' development and how they um, like the path that you take the, the players on. Um, I think that's really important to have. I think that's a very yeah a, a good trait to have to to want to explore. Absolutely, I think. Um... With Matthew in particular, I think it's this is my ninth season now coaching Matthew and his mates. Uh, you know, they're only under 12s, and it's just been amazing just to watch. I, I look back through photos every now and then, I see them as tiny little kids chucking a foam ball about with big chunks missing out of it. And then you see a then you find a picture of them doing their first tackle and stuff like that. It's just, I love it. It's brilliant just to watch them grow through it. Cool. Thanks, guys. Okay. So it's nice to think that by the time people are listening to this episode, some players and coaches would have been back out on the turf. So how important is session design going to be after such a long layoff? I mean, Reese, do you want to take that one? Um, yeah, I mean, look, I think it's going to be, it's going to be well, it's probably going to be the priority, isn't it, really? Um, but I would also say, like, equally, yes and no. Um, I think the most important thing is going to be about kids getting back out there and running around. Uh, even, well, I say kids, I mean, players of all age groups. Um, I think that's going to be the biggest thing. So, Yes, session design is, is going to be an important part of that, but 
also just just them going out and exploring and having fun is uh and, and i mean that across all the age groups even with my senior side i, I definitely won't be um going religious on the session planning it would just be about the enjoyment and uh, getting yeah. people running around again but um yeah I, I think it will do i think it definitely will do i know uh there are a few are, are really they've got some top people working on stuff at the moment which is gonna hopefully come out in the summer which would uh just some guidance and support around that side of stuff um but yeah like how and what people are doing and what the, st- the structure should i say of a session um yeah it's going to aid to make a session so much better for the, for the players that have had a long time off and definitely give that enjoyment factor a lot more i'm sure absolutely what about you adam what's your thoughts on it very similar to race it i'm a bit of a planner because i always think along the analogy that if someone asked me to tell you a joke now i probably would struggle but if you gave me a bit of a week to tell you a joke i could probably plagiarize one that's quite funny so i I kind of apply that to my rugby so getting a decent session plan anytime soon then Oh, definitely not i'm dreading the fact that you might have asked me for a joke and i can't think of any clean ones (laughs) well, I mentioned the 10 second wrap at the end after the quiz. Oh, that's fine. That's not a problem. I'll follow Reese. But no, I, genu- generally, I think you need a bit of a framework to at least go from, at least from an idea. As Reese said, it's got to be fun when we go back. It, we, it's also going to be a massive difference between the fittest and the least fittest. And I mean, both physical and mental condition. So you need to have the flexibility, but you also just need to have a little bit of that framework rather than perhaps rocking up and going, what we can do today where that could lend yeah. itself to people perhaps doing feastings where really I think they probably need fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was very lucky last week. I got out on the pitch with the under-18 college team because it's part of their curriculum, so we're allowed to do it. And, and yeah, just seeing them, actually, they seeing each other for the first time since Christmas. Wish them all a happy new year and hope they'd had a nice Christmas because that's the last time we saw them. It seems ridiculous. And one of the things we did, which was quite funny, was we'd come up with different ways for them to sort themselves into teams. And we did this week, last week, sorry, we did shortest hair that end and longest hair that end. And they were all sort of trying to, who's got the longest fringe and having a right laugh about it. So it's um, it's to say, yeah. just, no, it was a very, very loose session last week. Lots of gameplay. Um, yeah, it's important it what Adam said Definitely important what Adam said there, though, uh, around the fitness element side of things, like, um, a long there's going to probably be a long time of inactivity for yeah. a lot of people uh, and it's probably created a lot of bad habits in the sense of probably quite hunched over hamstrings quite tight from sitting down all day um, just going out and running around is, is probably not going to be well you probably end up with a lot of injuries if you go too hard too yeah. early so yeah. it's really making sure I guess I know you guys mentioned cheats earlier but like he explores a lot through the fundamental movements like it's just a is a definite to be focused on is like the fundamental movement patterns and um, the activate injury prevention program. That, Absolutely. That stuff from our view, like it's definitely worth uh, jumping on board with because it's, it's going to make a big difference. I do see that being a bit of a, a priority. I must admit moving back is um, people jumping too early um, and yeah, getting a lot more injuries before we've even started the season. So, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, we, I think we laughter has been missing. Laughter, yeah, big time, big time. And I'm lucky that Nick, who helps who coach the college lads, he's actually a personal trainer. So he led the warm up, and it was very controlled, very relaxed, lots of stretching, and you know, giving that right sort of. As you say, it's got to be done right, otherwise they've been off for three months. We're going to break in week one, which is the last thing we want to do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to on that same subject, <clears throat> excuse me. 
uh, there's been a lot of posts on social media about coaches catching up through the summer. Um, but do we need to just concentrate and be even more player-centred than normal and have a much more considered coaching catch-up? Adam, do you want to go on that one? Yeah, again, as we mentioned earlier about the difference between the widest to the to the sort of smallest and everything across it, how people are going to be feeling. I think we all need to be player-centred because if you just go with the aim that we need to be match-ready by a certain date, well, that might not happen. One kid might be match-ready almost within a week or two. Yeah. One kid might not be there till Christmas. So I think we need to be individually centred, player-centred, as you said, focusing on just making sure that we're bringing everyone forward and each session and we're getting better week by week rather than certain arbitrary dates, deadlines, etc. So I do think it's massively important. Now, catching up, it can be catching up on all the fun we've had, hopefully. Now, as I mentioned, I coach under-12s. Yes, there's a serious element to it, but ultimately, if I can't make them have fun, then they're probably not going to want to come back. So I'm hoping to catch up on laughs and fun and enjoyment whilst progressing on. So if you see me feasting them up and down hills, then it's probably not me. So it's probably someone else. Somebody else with a magnificent lockdown beard. Well, definitely. So I was going to say, when, when we did longest hair, are we counting beards as part of that? That was going to be my question. Well, so. I, didn't, I didn't specify. I didn't specify. It could be either. I, mean, I, I do worry that there's going to be lots of, sort of tackle bags being dusted off. And I mean, Reese, is there any plans for an under-14 Rugby World Cup next season that we all need to worry about? Or? <laughs> no, no, you're right. Um, what would, Andy, just on your point about player-centred, yeah. Like, what would you mean by that? Like, as in, just do you want to keep it? Like, are you saying in the sense of we're allowing the players to take ownership, or is it more around? Is it around um, the decisions that they're making on the pitch? Is it? Well, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd probably both. I mean, I'd probably I'd start with it, it's their game. I always think it's their game. It's not my game. I'm there just to facilitate their enjoyment. It's a game at the end of the day. You know, it's um, it's not the be-all and the end-all of, I know it is of some people's lives, but it's not of everybody's lives. So I think letting them have a, a say on what we do. Uh, we're trying to build a leadership group as well uh, at college, and I do the same with some of the other age groups I do. And again, it's just being very wary of when we start. I said we did, we led a warm-up last week, which is very controlled. It didn't last anywhere near as long as we planned because we realised it wasn't right for the lads. And then we started talking more about We've got some friendlies we're trying to line up against other colleges. So we sort of had a few talks about that and literally just spread the session out so they actually did less rugby because we're trying to give it back to them and let them think about, are they ready to do this? Are they ready to play? What sort of things they want to be doing? And and judging all that body language and feedback from them as well, just to make sure that we're giving them that right experience. Some want to go full Bosch and just smash the hell out of each other. Um, But we've got to manage expectations of the group and uh, making sure I think it's for the enjoyment and the pleasure of the group as a whole. And then we'll start to build on that once they've had a few weeks back and we're starting to get better. Probably by the time we start getting into sevens, really, we'll start to do that. Um, I know yeah, the kids, with the, the relaxation of the out-of-summer, or out-of-season activities, we'll probably, we usually do a summer touch series. We'll probably extend that, do a few extra weeks of that. And, um, Again, just to build those relationships, get the players back. Um, and that's for all the age groups I work with, from under-12s through the under-18s. Just get them back, remember what a rugby ball looks like, you know, what it feels like to kick, 
um, getting the, the low numbers to laugh at the high numbers because they're all the same size now. And, and yeah. that, you know, it's just that kind of general fun. So I think it's, yeah, it, that's more what I'm thinking myself is making it right for them. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, no, 100%. I look, the players have got to be the heart of it. I, they Absolutely. are the, they are what the game is. So I just think uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting one because there's a, uh, I'd definitely say and what we've just been talking about there with return to rugby, the coaches do have a responsibility in the sense of I'm sure the players are going to come back and they're going to be so keen to play. But being ready to play is a very different state of um, where players are at. So I'm sure within a month of running around, the boys or the girls or whoever you're coaching are going to be like dead keen to be playing rugby matches. But I definitely think as, as coaches, we have a responsibility to make sure that they are physically ready for that and uh, whether that's physically with contact skills or whether that's uh, physically fitness-wise, we do have a big responsibility in that. So, yeah, I I guess the bit to take from player-centred, I've just meant in the sense of coaches, that doesn't mean we just allow kids to go run around and just explore and go go crazy and start doing contact for the moment they get back. I think if you want a longevity of your players, we need to think about how we how you introduce them and reintegrate them correctly. Um, I think that would be the biggest point. When you when you said about getting back off a layoff, for me, that was by far the biggest point. And I'm not saying go and flog them, like Ad said, but um, you, you, we do take, need to take a bit of responsibility in how, how they're moving and, and getting them ready to, to go back before jumping in. Cool. Adam, you got... So, someone I know, someone I know, likened everyone coming back as if it's us 40-year-olds. I know Reese is younger, but us 40-year-olds... <laughs> The mind might be willing and capable 40. to do it. Well, yeah, they're really good, Andy. You look good, better than I do. But yeah, the mind might be willing and able, but the body isn't necessarily at the moment. Yeah. So yeah. we do have to factor in their needs and wants, but also their capabilities. And I think that's yeah, part of it, factoring, going around that circle. What what do they need? What do they want? And what they're capable of at the moment? And they're not necessarily the same place because you only have to watch any course, a level one, level two course that you go on the RFU. We all run around like idiots for the first 20 minutes and then realise when not as fit as we used to be and then we've all got hammies that are sore in the afternoon etc so I I think the an- analogy of the, the kids coming back as if they were 40 is probably quite a sensible place to start from for a lot of players yeah, yeah. and, and uh, God knows what the 40 year olds are going to come back like well so. I definitely think um, on the point about tackle bags and bits Andy like you're dead right like you don't want to be seeing people queuing up and trying to hit tackle bags over the, the summer period to, to catch up should I say um, on um on rugby, but I think they will play an important part. Um, it's just how we how we manage that in the sense of allowing games to take place and maybe taking a few out of a game into a skill zone or so to um, be able to replicate and get lots of repetition in those. But um, they they will. I, the reason why is I know they get bad press, uh, tackle bags and um, tackle shields and things, but uh, they do allow for repetition and you do allow for safe repetition, um, especially if the coach isn't holding it. Um, but yeah, like as a, it, it's good to, I've, I've, we talk about skill zone and how you may, like how you may practice and develop a skill. Well, it is about repetition and yes, actually there will be a point where tackle bags and tackle shields will be right. It's just about how we use those, I guess, yeah. and, uh, making yeah. sure that we don't have cues of kids lining up, running up to smash a tackle bag. It would like, actually, can we give them lots of, lots of, uh, repetition, uh, or should we say repetition without repetition? So um, it's looking Absolutely. different all the time. Um, and that, yeah, that, I guess that's where, it, when it comes to 
uh, using them. It, there will be an opportunity to use them. It's just about making sure, I guess, and if that's one thing I get across tonight, is that actually they do they use it appropriately and, and, and don't just, like you say, just death by tackle bags, I guess. Oh, yes. Yeah. If he's only 200 hits on the bag yet. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Thanks, guys. So, I mean, you sort of touched on it there a bit recently. I, mean, I really like the London Irish, the design toolbox, the, sorry, the session design toolbox. Um, clearly lays out key areas to consider when making the plans. And you posted some expansions on these during the lockdown. I think we kind of touched a little bit there on block practice as well. And I think that's quite well embedded in coaches' minds already. I'd be very happy if you could expand on tactical warfare section for streets because that's something that I particularly enjoy. Um, I'm no good at it, but I enjoy it. And it, I have seen some of the benefits it's given to the player. So I'd like to expand yeah. your thoughts on that for us. That'd be brilliant. Yeah, of course. I mean, well, I, I guess, I, and this isn't a test, uh, Adam, I guess I'll go for Adam. Um, what would you. Adam is holding up the session design toolbox for those of us not on the video link. <laughs> uh, yeah. what, what would you say, uh, like, what does tactical warfare mean to you, mate? Like, I, I'm, I'm quite interested because I say this because coaches, I guess a lot of coaches out there at the moment, I see it a lot on social media anyway. Everybody uses technical jargon and I see people just use phrases which they don't necessarily know the meaning of um, the, I guess the whole reason why I expanded that session design toolbox was to simplify things um, it wasn't to uh, overcomplicate anything it was just to say no this is what we mean by it and uh, let's explore these avenues um, I guess yeah I, I'm always keen just to hear what coaches obviously coach development is what I do for a living so I, I'm, I guess I'm here keen to hear what coaches actually think of it so Adam I guess I'll open it up to you just before I answer it like what, what I was going to say I was going to sit there and listen and agree to what you said but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I must admit so job, Adam. <laughs> I was going to say uh, but yeah so the tactical warfare how I understand it and how I use it is a lot of scenario based games and activities so I might have a game that's specifically designed to have some sort of form of tactics in or I might create one by accident where I might accidentally pull away a fullback just to have a chat with him on the sideline, perhaps take him off to a skill zone, but not replace the fullback. So I might see if one of the other sides have noticed that there's a totally different tactic in front of them because there's now loads of backfield space. Or I might go through something more traditional that I might say, okay, let's just play here. We're going to, five minutes left, we're going to play like the French did in the last five minutes of their game at the weekend. We're going to see, let's play for this. Let's let's imagine the sun is shining. We're on the beaches of somewhere nice. We're not actually on the mud of fields of Berkshire. We're going to play things like that. So I post scenarios and that's how I kind of try to allow it. But I'm hoping that I'm somewhere in the right areas there. But it, I, yeah. Don't go, mate. That's fine. It's fine. No. I, I guess... With tactical warfare, for me, like I think tactical warfare and metacognition, they kind of come together in a weird way. And again, just listeners out there, again, anybody who's listening, I don't want coaches to get like bogged down into what uh, the the funky language means because for me, coaching is very simple and we we very we overcomplicate it massively. And it's very very easy to get make it overcomplicated. The more you study it and more you learn it the more you, you you've got a chance to overcomplicate it because you're overthinking something so um when it comes to tactical warfare like well let me start with metacognition so we talk about metacognition which is like thinking about thinking 
Um, the reason why I would quite link, I link it quite well with tactical warfare is we want them thinking about the game um, and how they may tactically solve problems um, or to solve the tactical problem in front of them. Um, so, yeah, I'll start with metacognition and then jump back onto tactical warfare. I guess metacognition for me is we'd, we'd always want for any coach, any players that I'm coaching, we don't want them to just become robots and, and just move through the game. We want them to understand why they're playing the game or why they're doing certain actions. Um, and then we're going to, and the, the way to do that is obviously, one way to do that, should I say, is, is, is through games and, and, and challenging them to think about their actions and, and what they're about to do or how certain actions that they haven't done yet might affect certain scenarios. Um, so we want them just to really be thinking quite a lot. And the reason why I think it connects quite well to tactical warfare is if we've got players that are thinking and they're being smart and they're, they're, they're really trying to develop their own way of playing as well as the team's way of playing, um, it's going to allow, it's going to, it's going to paint some more, uh, some better pictures and some better tactical scenarios, which we can explore. Um, that might be, I don't know, as Adam said, posing a tactical problem, saying you've had a yellow card, maybe you're down to a red card as well, and and then posing some those tactical scenarios for them to explore, um, or just through the game where we're we're giving individuals tactical problems uh, that they've got to overcome, which is allowing them to think about what their actions are going to do and what their behaviours and how they're going to affect um, the players and the and, and the game around them. Um, yeah, I, I do think the two, the pair of them kind of connect quite well. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, it, it, there's a lot of, it's, it's the toughest thing. Social media is a really hard place because you, you're always going to get so much and it's always about people showing off as much as they can. And um, I think if you can swift through some of the, the rubbish out there, you like and, and dig a little bit lower than some of the language that is, is being used. Um, yeah, you can, you can really get some benefit from using this stuff in sessions. Absolutely. When I've um, been on that sort of thing, I've used some, and Amy Price is brilliant on the gamification side of things. Um, and Magic Academy with their challenge cards, tactical challenge cards, things like that. Um, I've used things like uh, the replay and the pause and the freeze games. And the kids would just love it. It's, like, it's all going, everything's going horribly wrong. And they'll just shout pause and we just stop the game and they can have a 30 second team huddle. What are you going to do differently? Talk it through. And then you, they just come out and play it differently. Or give them the replay option so they can just call a replay and wind it back to the previous breakdown or whatever you decide and let them just the condition i always put on that is they have to do it different they can't try and give it to the big lads we shoved over jumping them they have to do something different and and that sort of thing works really really well for me and i noticed you know, i've got your, your printouts in front of me here is you, you talked about um gamification and video games do you want to just expand on those a bit and maybe you say there's distinct differences so I think there's a lot of confusion uh, sometimes. People sometimes think they're the same thing. And I'm definitely coming to you about video games, Adam. <laughs> yeah, like you definitely talk to Amy Price. Like she, she's, um, I should say, queen of it. Um, she, I'm lucky enough to experience some of the stuff that she did. She came down to London Irish and gave a session to us, which was um, which was excellent. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely putting a new approach on things. Uh, it's something... I think clubs should explore. Uh, it's more, uh, what should we say, ammunition for your um, 
yeah, more more ammo for yourself for your coaching stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, what what I would say about it is it definitely makes it more engaging. Um, if we're talking about the thinking about thinking, um, it's the way that she well she's explained to layer things is obviously you have level ups. Um, there's always something that the players are trying to play for. So that might be as individuals or as a team. It means that there's maybe like if something, if the game isn't necessarily going right, um, there's another game within a game, which is allowing them to try and potentially win back the other game. Um, so that's why I'd say the engagement piece is, is massive. Um, I know, Andy, you talked about the pauses there, like giving, she, she says in the games that they can have a, a pause or a start button, which uh, just gives them a time to reset and reconsider yeah. what they're doing. She gives them an opportunity to cheat, whether that may be because uh, the other teams aren't. Uh, you might want to change something on the other team. Um, I just think it really adds to the engagement. Um, and I wouldn't say that's just for junior level either. Like that's across the whole game. Um, and in fact, at senior level, you can you probably expand on it a lot more. Um, I would say you, you've got to, I would say always be brave with it. Like just and, and, and exp- explore it like long enough for the, the players to understand it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I'm definitely just going back on your point, Andy, about the like using pauses and rewinds and games. Um, I think it's all, all very good that coaches are using these. Um, I guess the, the one thing I may say is how do we use them effectively? Um, and I, I, I'll say it because I go down on a Sunday morning or when I go and see teams coach in the week. Um, people tend to use it, and I feel like they use it just because they have to or they feel like they, they want to. Um, if we go back to your player-centred point, it's probably not what every time that I've seen it being used. It hasn't been the, it hasn't been what the players needed at the time. Yeah. Um, and it, there's many other ways and many other interventions to to try and use, maybe using a pause or a, a, a rewind for a certain player or, or a certain scenario rather than uh, affecting the whole team because before we know it, we end up with a lot of stop-start and, and that's not what we want to try and achieve as coaches. Yeah, we want them yeah. to flow. We want the session to flow. We want them to play um, and, and really learn from their mistakes and develop from it. It, it doesn't always have to be stopped and started. Well, we did um, with Matthew's group, was it last year? Matthew and I sat down one day and we sort of identified a few areas that the team needed to work on. And then we picked out some Fortnite weapons that might help. So we had the, I don't know what they were now. There's a pressure pad, I think it was, that, no, some some grenade. So if the grenade was picked, it would blow everybody back away from the ball so you could pick and go instead. And we had four of these things. So we had the sniper weapon, um, yeah, the shot pad. I wish I had them now. I can't remember what they were. But we had these four different weapons, and the kids faced down, they picked one out at the start of the game, and they could use it at any point during the game. And he just mm. got, because they, they recognised the weapons, they recognised the terminology behind it. And it's straight away, oh, how can we do this? And they were already talking about, or oh, when so-and-so gets the ball, we could do this. And they were kind of thinking around that game. And that mm-hmm. worked really, really well for us. But again, Matt helped me design it. And it was really, really relevant for all the kids. And they totally understood it. And they bought into it. And they were like, oh, can we play sport? And we, we called it sport nights. We couldn't be sued. <laughs> um, but then yeah, yeah, next yeah, week they were saying, enough. oh, we've got some different weapons. So we made another set of different weapons and we did it again. So, I mean, Adam, have you ever tried anything gamification I've, video game principles so I have done probably 
mixed success like Reese speaks about. Sometimes I realised that I was perhaps using pause and rewind a bit too much. That almost was highlighting everyone's failure. It was almost felt like it was something that was wheeled out. Okay, that didn't work. Try again. And then everybody stopped because whoever's missed kick the ball or drop the pass. So I realised that perhaps there's a midpoint where you need to get to on that. I do like a lot of powers up. We, we use them. We also can hinder players as well. So I've used a, a Wheel of Fortune wheel to play different conditions in the game. And some of those were individual power up. Some of those were uh, things against them. Dodgy ref was always one that they particularly enjoyed when they had a dodgy ref against them. And just those kind of elements that you bring in from computer games and as we discussed off air a bit at the beginning, I do like computer games. I like the fact that if it doesn't work, I just restart and try again. You just start again at the same level, you carry on, you reload it from your last point. I like the fact that every time I go on Mario Kart, it's familiar but different as well. So it's kind of those feelings that I'm trying to transfer across into the training. So I do need to explore a bit more across them. And it will be something that as the kids get older, but I do try and include like the, the language like for example I noticed my son doesn't say much on a rugby pitch but when he's got a headset on during Fortnite he's telling everyone that they will go around the left hand side and I'm thinking if you could describe a ruck the same way you describe this building that you're attacking yeah, on yeah. Fortnite we would probably have less communication issues but perhaps we need to get them all wearing headsets that might be the answer I'm not sure how we can <laughs> work that one way out of my remit <laughs> way uh, out of my remit here <laughs> yeah but it is it, it, yeah. So we, we quickly stopped uh, talking about sort of tactical kicking when they went into under tens and started talking about not yeeting it down the pitch, which just seemed to communicate with them. And they straight away, yeah, I stopped yeeting it. It was quite funny. Um, I mean, Alan, do you think this is sometimes viewed as being a bit pink and fluffy by coaches? It's not proper rugby coaching. What, what would you? I think say I think it can be. I I would personally. If you had a player that only played one way and only tried one way, you'd think he was limited in his approach. So I would generally feel as a coach that we need the whole toolbox. So we need every section. We need to apply everything. I do know that then you run the risk of cutting from A to B to C and actually having no consistency. But I do think that the expression too fluffy, I've heard things like that. But I do think we're appealing to a generation that are playing computer games far more than anyone else's. So... We've got to coach them how they want to be taught, not how we were taught. Different animals need different sort of nurturing. So that's how I kind of think it's definitely worth exploring. So, Reese, have you, I mean, obviously your work as a coach developer, do you find coaches have that kind of mentality? And do you, Um, how would you, I suppose challenge isn't the right word, but it's just encourage them to give it a go? Uh, It's it's a really interesting one. And I'll go back on what I said earlier, like, there's a million and one ways to coach. There's no one right or wrong way. And there's a million different environments as well. Like there is what might work in one environment could be completely different in another. And I always try and use the the metaphor, shall I say, of a tightrope walker with a balanced beam. It might lean one more side to to games and and skill zones or skills. Uh, It might lean more one side to block practice, but you want to stick down that middle part. And it's almost... If you can sit on the fence in anything, it's probably going to be coaching, I think. Because um, I think you need to understand like the probably the main, I would always look for a, for coaches to look for, the main thing is the environment they're coaching in. Like, do they understand who they are coaching and, and what they need to coach, really? If you're 
if you're trying to learn from Eddie Jones and go and replicate that in with the under sixes down at Worthing, that's probably not going to be ideal and it's probably not no. going to be what the players need. So um, it goes back to that point that you said earlier, Andy, about player-centred and we, are we actually coaching in the way that we want co- uh, what, what is right for our environment? And you can pick up things, like I've mentioned before, on social media. You can pick up things on... Um, online on, on on forums and you can blow your mind with the amount of coaching and different avenues to explore um I'd, I'd definitely say i'll be honest i remember doing my level three and in that i i definitely wrote at the end in my in my reflections i was like i didn't coach well this year and one of the main reasons why was i probably over blew I over blew my head with just so much stuff and so many different ways to explore and, and to go and um, it definitely wasn't maybe the way that I think the players should have uh, should have received it. Uh, it probably wasn't what they they wanted at the time, um, and that's definitely like one reflection I would have. And I would expect coaches out there to do the same. Is is look, what works in one environment doesn't necessarily mean it, it works in every environment. One thing we can say for safe is that you, you can learn through games, and we should have, make sure that we're always trying to keep our players active. Um, and playing through games is normally the best way to do that. Um, but you, at the same time, like me contradicting myself there, you, you you need to develop those skills, and sometimes those those close skills really need to be developed in a in a an environment where you can get lots of repetition, and that would be a a, a block yeah. practice kind of area. So it's yeah, it's just trying to get that blend right, isn't it? And that's where yeah. I talk about that tightrope: is can we be a tightrope walker? Is holding the balance bar and, and deciding that the balance bar might have the odd weights on either side, and, and we're trying to make sure that we level that out for what is appropriate to our environment. So, yeah, anything I, I talk about in here would, would be take a little bit, take that, and then try and blend it to your own environment. But mm. don't think you have to do it all. Like if you do it, if you feel like the kids are enjoying stuff, or if you feel like the players are enjoying what you're doing, then keep doing it and uh, just tweak little bits here and there. Yeah, I think it's just that sort of having the progressions and regressions in the back of your mind, isn't it? Really? Just if someone's going really, really well, push them a little bit harder. Yeah. And like you talk about games, like to... the games don't need to, they don't need to be changed so much. Like there's nothing yeah. wrong with doing the same game for three, four weeks in a row, but it's about how you develop that game. So it's not just this. Yes, it's the same game with the same rules, but some of the, the constraints or maybe some of the, um, I don't know, tasks that you're putting into that game or how you layer that game with, um, different progressions is is the bit that's the enjoyable bit about that's what actual coaching um, don't we don't want to be we don't want the world full of game facilitators that's not what we want we, we want people who are actually exploring the avenue of coaching and like exploring about how they may develop a game to yeah. maybe challenge some of their skills and, uh, and and some of their behaviors that we really want to make sure we get right you mentioned at the start you've coached or worked with people on on a coaching basis is across different areas of your work life so far would you recommend coaches to look at other sports in in conversation with other people before you think hockey football netball basketball football rugby we're all trying to put a teammate into space for the ball and is, is there any harm in us rocking down to a netball session because we all play rugby netball as a warm-up you know everyone's done it and That's a great point. You know, is there any Benefit, harm, detriment, anything you can say about it, just rocking up to a netball section? 
No, mate, like, yeah, I, I think lockdown actually, lockdown one gave me a great opportunity. Um, I know you mentioned hockey there, but gave me a great opportunity to be able to go and explore some different coaching because some other sports came back earlier than rugby because obviously mm. rugby was contact. Um, so, yeah, but I went down and coached a hockey side, men's hockey side in Marlow. Um, was, nice. yeah, a, a great experience, really. Is how you think about how you maybe use well it's it, same same principles applied to, as you would for rugby like in the sense of they're trying to find a bit of space um it's about control movement control as well um i guess with a personal training background that kind of came in handy um one thing i would definitely say a lot of coaches could do within their own sport is i mean i'm, I'm quite lucky in the sense of coached a, a county ladies side um through my oh, if you Back in there are a few days with when we had CRCs. I was very lucky to be in schools and coaching um, girls quite regularly, um, as well as like boys and, and through all the different age groups. Um, but definitely, if there's a senior coach, if there's senior coaches out there um, who haven't coached junior co- uh, junior players, go and experience that. If there's coaches out there who haven't experienced ladies coaching and go and go and go and experience that because I, I promise you that that's two different worlds in yeah, within totally. one world um and i mean that in the most positive way like some of my biggest learning has been coaching the ladies side they will ask you everything we do they'll ask you a million one questions and then make sure before they go out and do it whereas actually some of the the boys you would coach them and um you you would explain what you're going to do and they go out and then they get it wrong um because they haven't listened, whereas the girls have taken it on and got it. They just haven't necessarily executed it correctly, um, which I think is, mate. If, all, if yeah. I see any, if, I'm, if I could say anything this evening, actually, I'd probably say that the women's game is going in a really exciting direction and probably is one to watch out for. I think yeah. it's quite naive for people to sit there and say that it's not going to be anywhere. And I know it gets a lot of bad press on social media sometimes, and I think it's just ludicrous. To be fair, like if you had a, if you had women playing the game. Like for the amount of time that some of the men have, um, then they would be in a, they'd be in a probably a higher position when the men's game is now because the men's game has sadly turned into a bit of a beat each other up. But um, yeah, I, I'm excited for the way the women's game is going. I think it's going yeah. to be. Well, we've got down at Ellingham Ring. We've got quite a big girls section. We've been doing the all schools program, going into local yeah. schools just to attract the girls and transition mm. them over. But I guess going to your point, Andy, sorry, I just sorry. I guess going to your point about going over to other sports, like a hundred percent, like any kind of and I would say challenge yourself in the sense of not necessarily a ball sport, like go and try a different sport that might be well out of your 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 remit. Like, I don't know, you said uh, you said netball, but someone go and have a look at swimming. How do you coach swimming? Like how do you go and how do you go and coach like in an environment where you don't need a ball? Yeah. Um or or something like you you would learn and you'd pick up one thing. And I know you guys have probably, you, well, you know, Jack, um, we've been obviously good mates since we've grown up. And like he, he would do it. He would definitely tell you, he'd be like, go and like, like you can pick up one thing. If you can pick up one thing from anything you do, like I'll have in this call with you now, if I pick one good idea up from this evening, well, that's surely a benefit than, um, out of anything. So yeah, go and explore, go and explore different sports, which are way out of a ball sport, should I say. That's, that's interesting. Um, Adam, come I, I went. I went and coached at a school for a bit and I found that fascinating because I'm used to people who have chosen to come to rugby. So I actually yeah. found that coaching people, I had to work harder. I had to win their trust because they instantly came out that they weren't interested. So it was my job to go, 
I'm not here just to beast you around a rugby pitch. I'm not just a big burly rugby coach. I'm here actually to have some fun. So I actually thought that was a different environment that really benefited me, as well as coaching people that you don't know. So we, Andy, you and I both, you were talking earlier about doing the same age groups growing up. Every child that comes along, I've pretty much known for quite a long time. The new ones come in and you get to know them quite quickly. So going along to a totally different group as well makes you sort of, for a start, you can't remember everyone's name. So therefore, perhaps you talk less, which actually means you probably observe more. So there's lots of different ways of, maybe moving around a different age group at your own club or society might be quite a good way as well to sort of develop your learning as well as different sports but I also got to learn a little bit of hockey by doing that as well and like you said it's the evasion it's put pressure on defence spread out and attack and scan and adapt seem to be the the same ways but I I did learn an awful lot working at school and professional PE teachers are fantastic the way they talk across and they could just communicate with everybody all seemingly at the same time catch everyone's eye and it's a bit a bit like the video in the Doug Lemoff video if you've seen that where the teacher goes around the mass room and that and goes around and manages oh, to speak awesome. to everybody in two and a half minutes or whatever it is it's made me then sit there and think well did I speak to everybody at that last session and so on so no, definitely a lot to be learned by moving around what question ask your question Reese, go for it yeah ask your question just how, how did it make you feel when you first went into that school environment like with the kids and because I look Mate, I experienced that all the time, like just going in. And you, I love what you said about you have to build that trust and build that rapport. Um, how did you feel on your first session going in there? I'm probably nervous because, A, you, you don't want to let the kids down. You, you want to make a good showing. And I had children in different age groups at the school. So whilst I was Mr. Gillings at the time, I was also Max and Tilly's dad. So it is, it's that whole week. But it also gave you a little bit of excitement as well. So it was a mixture of the two. It was... It's hard to actually, one single thing, I think a swirl in round of everything, it's, you you want to make a good impression, I suppose. Yeah, it's probably, probably the nearest thing was meeting my in-laws for the first time. It's probably kind of like that. You want to make a good impression. <laughs> They've heard a little bit about you, but now you've got to try and be nice. So I think, yeah. How did you feel after the session? That's the bit that now I'm interested in. Uh, I, I probably went away with more questions than answers, and I probably felt like I questioned everything that I did. Because... As I said, teaching people who weren't necessarily, it's not their thing or it's not the thing they've been forced to, or, and yeah, that often. So it's quite hard, the difference between the two. So it did make me wonder whether or not perhaps the language I use might need to be, there's a lot of assumed knowledge. You, If you say, right, let's play rugby netball and clap your hands at an under-12s group, most of them know what they're doing. So it was actually building that back from a basic layer. So... Uh, it was it very very interesting. I I would recommend it to people if they can do it if they can get in a different environment. It does make you think, and then then you sat there driving home from the school, wondering right, what can I do better next time, and then what can I learn from this and apply to a club side, etc. So I suppose the kids are probably the ones to ask, but I'd hope that they both developed as I developed. So the the school got better because of me getting used to them, and the club side that I teach got better because of me working at the school as well. So. Yeah, I, I really I, enjoyed it at school. Really enjoyed it at school. And the, the first a bit like you, Adam, you, you said you were nervous, and it's weird because I always feel like a rabbit in headlights at the start of every session. I'm always like, my God, what am I doing here? A bit of imposter syndrome. Um, but I think that's just because I actually care about what we're doing. I want to make it right. Um, so suddenly, thirty girls that I've never met before, it's freezing cold, blowing a hooli, and twenty-seven of them don't want to be there. And how do you make it work? Um, it was all right. It worked out okay. And I sat back in the car and there was a bit of a, oh my God moment, you know, what have I just done? 
but I loved it. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, and there's one of the girls that was, she didn't want to be there at all, just stood with her arms crossed. And I just wanted her to put a fluorescent bib on. I just said to her, would you mind putting this on? Why? I said, well, does it make me speckle? I said, well, how would you like it to make you special? I can't remember what her reply was now. I said, yeah, of course, go for it. And then suddenly she was in playing because now it was on her terms and she was mixing straight in. Um, but to touch on your point, Reese, from earlier about coaching boys and girls, I do the under-18 boys on a Wednesday afternoon and then, depending on who's there on a Wednesday evening, do the under-18 girls at club. Amazing difference. I, I, can't remember, I wish I could remember who it was, but I listened to a podcast once and somebody likened it to the boys want to batter, the girls want to get better. And once you've done that, it's quite, quite true. As you say, that the boys want to, they haven't listened to half of what you said, and they're going to go off and just give it what they think they should be doing. But the girls want the detail, they want to do it right, they want to get it proper. And I think the girls' game is, as I touched on earlier, we've got a massive girls' section of the club. We've got two great role models in the Cleo Twist uh, sisters, um, plus various other girls that have gone on to football international level. But it's just such a good game to watch. It's fast, it's intelligent play. And it's brilliant. I love it. Um, hate to say it, but yeah. my wife and my son's first trip to Twickenham, we watched the England men play and then the England women played afterwards. We all thought the women's was a much better game. It's exciting, eh? It's going to get better and better. I think it's just breaches um, her first game. I think she she got six tries or something like that. It was just ridiculous. It was absolutely amazing to watch. It's just get, get yeah, it's exciting, mate. Honestly, I promise you that there. There's oh, yeah. some of the resilience the girls have shown. Like I said, in the sense of um, like bad pu- publicity and the way that I would say probably as a as a generation, uh, well, the, as a society, sorry, like we they're not fully on board with yet. And um, I think it's really impactful that some of what they do and they keep their head down and just crack on with it. They, they just say, no, like you can say that, but we're going to crack on in a different direction. And like, they've had it a lot harder if you, you think about it. And I feel, feel for them in a, a, a way because you get, normally get to club level and, and then don't necessarily get the best opportunity in the sense that sometimes they get, they get left on the Sunday. They might have to cut turn up later than um, a lot of the other uh, players, to look, if you look at the boys, for example, they probably dominate the morning session. Yeah. So the girls get the afternoon slot. I think it makes them tighter. I think the girls are they're getting a lot tighter because they realise that they can, if they want to play this game, they have to love it because they've got to turn up at an odd time. Um, they've got to turn up at a different time. And I think the more clubs start buying into where the success can go with ladies' game, um, the more you're going to start seeing the, the fruits bear and. Like just these girls, they 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 do it because they love it, and that's the thing. Like they're not yeah. they're ch- well, some of them are chasing a career, and they are making careers out of it now. But I think they've had a real tough time, and I'm really excited just to see the way the, the ladies and the women's games going. And we should, like, I think, we need to take a stance. And I'm, I don't mean to be political here, but <laughs> when you do see someone uh, maybe question something or say something online or. Maybe you, you see something in a club which you don't think is necessarily right, or or maybe just some language that adds has touched on it, but maybe some language that old per, people at clubs use, like challenge it, like definitely challenge it. I think it's it's, it's really poor that um, it doesn't get challenged. Like people use poor language away for the, the women's game to describe the women's game, or they may say something vulgar online. Like challenge it. It needs men to challenge it. Like if we just sit there and say, oh look, ignore it, it's not going to go away. 
Um, and I think it's we've all got a responsibility uh, in the game. Um, and I, I would say probably the biggest responsibility because we, we're the ones who head this up. Um, we, we should definitely be challenging stuff and actions that happen like that. Like, don't don't just settle to say, yeah, that's fine, or laugh it off. Like when you feel uncomfortable, that's probably when you should be saying something, um, yeah, and it, it will have a massive impact. Like it's not going to go if we don't challenge it. Yeah. It's quite interesting. Come on, it was the it's when the women's Six Nations got postponed, and some guy put a post on I can't remember which social media, if it's Facebook, Twitter, which one it was about um, the Irish game being postponed and there'll be a, a mini bus full of ladies that'll be very disappointed. I mean, he got taken to task and he ended up taking it offline and everything, which is, as you say, it's just got to be done. It's got to be challenged. I mean, but it needs to come from, the, I hate to say it, it needs to come from the men in the game. Like, absolutely. It's, absolutely. It's, it can't just be the women banging the drum all the time. Like, no. Trust me, it, their game will develop so much better and it, it, I'm excited to see the direction it's going. Like, just make sure you bang the drum from our perspective because it's the right thing to do. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a brilliant game, um, and it's nice that. I mean, I remember Aaron Smith spoke up recently. Uh, a couple of the other sort of famous men were talking about what a great game the women's game is, and yeah, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, I just want to touch on. We talked sort of about playing games. Um, I'm wary of how long we've been talking. I just want to touch quickly on, because Rich, you did that very good piece on the Rugby Coach Weekly website about adaptive games and Fiji mm-hmm. Touch. Um, we'll add a link on into the episode notes so other people can get, see it if they haven't seen it already. Um, do you want to just run us through like your idea behind the adaptive games and why we should yeah. be doing it? And then Adam, we can get your thoughts on it as well. Yeah, I guess um, look, I think every coach is out there looking for the next next best thing. And I thought, again, if we're talking about responsibility, I thought the best thing we can do is try and provide some opportunity, some games for people to learn from and how, well, what we were doing. And it was when we were, I was coaching with London, obviously at the ACDO and Jack obviously created some, uh, Jack and the team created some adaptive games, which they would use in their sessions um, and then again, it was just trying to simplify things for the online community. Um, like again, taking some of the jargon out, uh, explaining what we'd want to do, and then how you could develop it really. And the the fold in which I planned to do it, and I know it's good to hear that you say it's worked really well. Is put giving coaching prompts that we you would maybe use. Yeah. Um, so, for example, how can you play the game of Fiji Touch? Remind me of Fiji Touch again because I haven't looked at my adaptive games for probably about a year. What, this one? <laughs> yes, the one that you've published on the site. Was it uh, yeah, Fiji Touch's hold, uh, two-touch turnover, is it? Yeah, I mean... it's that it's, bar bars? It's, that's bar bars. This is probably this is the one when you hold them up, so it's probably yes. not relevant for going back. Obviously, this, yeah, not, not probably moment, not relevant for going back into COVID, no. But, but the concept um, is there. We'll put a link up for the... Because you've got Barbarians Touch and um, there's... Even Raiders yeah. touch and the Patriots and all those kind of things, which all got those different elements in there. I think it's just yeah. that it's that building that sort of different mindset, isn't it? Really? Um, yeah, and I think look, that's the thing. Like the one thing I'll definitely say with the adaptive games is coaching both sides of the ball. So yes, okay, the, you've said Fiji touch there is around um, holding up the defenders. Well, there's 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 more to that as well. Like we're thinking about in attack, like 
how can we utilize that or how, how do where's where's that going to cause a problem obviously if they're trying to hold people up in attack it's probably going to take two defenders so i mean two defenders are out of the game can we Whereas where's the space going to be in the attack? Obviously, what? probably potentially around the breakdown or around the tackle area because two defenders have been drawn in. So it's about, yes, the games are there to probably highlight one essential point, which is in that uh, Fiji touches defending and holding up players. Okay, but there's going to be, how can we develop the attack from that? And how yeah. can we develop the defence to maybe get better at that? Um, so yeah, with the adaptive games, it's, it, it kind of... I think it's really important that we push both sides of the ball. And, uh, so on, on I your... can't stress that enough. Even when you're playing, you just mentioned Barbar's touch there, which is two-touch turnover. Like You can get excited in defence about that because you know that you've got two touches and you can get the ball back. Yeah. So you can really work on a high-press defence um, and, and, and really punish teams for, for not... We can trap teams. And this is where we talk about tactical warfare. Actually, if you get those two touches really early down on their side of the pitch then they're going to be stuck down there. And it also makes the attack think, well, maybe we want to kick this ball and try and play the ball down in their half. So, yeah, that's where the tactical warfare comes into these adaptive games. Yeah. I mean, on, on the Fiji touch, on the attacking focus, you've talked about uh, space, not face, which um, some of the festivals I go to, some of the coaches would struggle with that. Yeah. Um, here's a bag. How many, you know. how many tries would you say? Did you guys watch, obviously you watched Six Nations this weekend. Yeah. Um, did you uh, how many t- how many tries do you reckon this weekend were uh, ruined because people ran at faces? Um, oh God! I, I counted. I, I think I counted three or four throughout the games, and it wasn't it. Like, I was watching the games, but I wasn't watching it intently. And I, there's a prime example of, of the last one. I think it was is in the French game. Uh, is it Olivon, the French seven? Uh, yeah, yeah, the captain. Yeah. He's he's literally one on one with the fullback in a small. St- All he has to do if if he puts a tiny bit of footwork on, he just falls over the line. But he yeah. just runs over. He tries to run over Liam Williams, and Liam Williams just falls underneath him. And I'm like, how have we got to this level? Like it was fantastic play up to that point, and like he's you're like beautiful. That's a try, and he just runs at the fullback. Yeah, and then I just think at these levels, like at this level, I think even in the Super Rugby, if you've watched that at the weekend. Uh, Bryce Heem runs at Richie Mwanga on the line and Richie Mwanga just chop tackles him and gets the ball back and you're like why, why are we butchering tries just because you're running at someone if they yeah. put the tiniest bit of footwork on you're going to make the defender think about how they're going to tackle you which is going to put you in a better position meaning you can score a try I, yeah and I, also having somebody supporting the space as well <laughs> yeah that kind of the strengthening though the front the straightening of the French fullback uh, centre for the final try, though, when he Did actually, it? instead of drifted, yeah, yeah when he straightened awesome. and put the player in, that that's what I'm going to choose to remember rather than the players running over because the amount of yeah. times we have seen that happen and instead of straightening and just giving the ball, he either takes the space out or goes for himself. So not with yeah, that player, but generally that was that was the moment of the Six Nations, not just because I'm English, but the straightening up of it <laughs> is just to actually put the ball in into the corner. That made that. I so. say that. I do say that. And look, the French, uh, they're one of my favourite teams at the moment. The way that they can just switch on their attack is unbelievable. So, um, yeah, I, I do. I, I'm, I'm not criticising that, that the French and the way they play, but there's across all the games. Just a number of butchered opportunities just from people just trying to run it straight over the top of yeah. the player over the try line. And it's yeah. like just a little bit of footwork makes that so much better. It's something that bugs me sometimes when I watch 
some of the junior games or a couple of the senior games, and you just hear that, take it in. Why? <laughs> Why? There's thousands of square metres of empty pitch. Why do you want to run into, into somebody? Anyway, that's another conversation. Um, Adam, have you got anything you want to add on the, the adaptive game side of it? I mean, do you use the variations? Do you limit I do. I do. I like the fact they have names because then you've already just mentioned the names and you don't have to repeat the rules all the time to everyone after a while. But I like the Highlanders one, which is Reese's. Again, it sounds like I'm being nice to him tonight. But no, I like the one that he, he shared on that, which is basically where after a touch or the double touch, depending on which way you want to play it, the player goes to the ball and then it's almost a race through the gate. So you're looking at support from both sides. And again, Reese mentioned earlier about coaching on both sides, attack and defence, and on and off the ball as well. So it's, right, that player's gone, don't just watch him. It helps you develop sort of certainly the younger areas, the younger players, can they get in the right area to support this game? So I do really like the adaptive games rather than just, we're going to play touch today. I think if you actually put in a condition or something, it's far more interesting. And I also think that the Highlanders in particular will be quite a good one to go back with because they can't necessarily smash in, but if they're just literally coming down and it's a race for the ball, but they've got to come through the gate and it's just a touch. We're not talking about rucking them out. It's just a way of sort of getting somewhere above touch, but not onto contact, not onto players getting injured or that kind of thing. So we don't worry about at the moment. So I think that's a really good game. So I will say, Ads, it's definitely not my games. Like I, uh, uh, I expand them, I expand them. And I'm, <laughs> we're definitely not value, like we're not precious about it. I know, um, look, it's, they're there to be make your own games. Like go and just create, be creative. I'm not, I'm not precious about the stuff that I put out there. And I know Jack and the London Irish, they're not, they're not precious about what they're doing. They want, they just want to develop coaches. So. Um, like, the sharing yeah, of knowledge really, is brilliant, though. That's where we spoke earlier about social games, media. Adam. Well, I, yeah. I, I, I do. They don't know where I've got them from until they listen to this, and then they know they, they think I'm quite a genius. So, but that is that is where most good ideas from come from, though, isn't it? You find someone else's idea and you tweak it to what suits to you. So, yeah, but the sharing of knowledge is brilliant. So, yeah, so yeah. big up to Jack and everyone. So, yeah, I think it's great. And you say, just you said, we just take that idea of a game and then tweak it, add a little element that makes it more personal for your team that you're working with at that point. I think it's actually yeah. fantastic. Well, guys, I think that's a perfect place to pause the conversation. Um, so there yes. we are. Some thoughts and maybe different ideas to help you, our coaching colleagues, get back into the swing of things and help support your players through their return to rugby and on into their future. We'll make some links available in the episode webpage for the adaptive games, the session design toolbox we've mentioned, and I hope they help you as much as they've helped us. Just leaves me to say a massive thank you to my two very special guests. So a huge thank you to you, Adam, and to you, Reese. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, I look forward to joining you for my next chat. Bye for now.